Welcome to Warriors Off, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Golden State's legendary radio play-by-play man, Tim Roy. Roy has been calling games for the Warriors for 24 years, and in that time he's experienced lottery-bound teams, a dynasty, and everything in between. On Wednesday morning, we sat down at the Spectrum Center in Charlotte to discuss the Warriors' jarring start, Eric Paschal's Rookie of the Year candidacy, and much, much more. Tim, thank you so much for for joining me today. We're here in the bowels of the Spectrum Center. Uh, Well, it feels like an early morning, but it's really 11, 10 a.m. The the morning after Draymond Green's jersey retirement at Michigan State, I was not there. Were you there? No, uh, the, you know the, the the Warriors were well represented with players and, and Joe Lacob and Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, uh, but no, that uh, I took advantage of the the break in the schedule and got some much needed sleep. I've been fighting, you know, you get a cold on a road trip; it's hard to shake because you're constantly going from one place to another. I, but but I'm really happy for Draymond. Uh, you know how important it is. Uh, to him, I remember uh, his second or third year. We're in uh, Michigan, and right across from the hotel used to be a, a store which had all kind of Big Ten gear and stuff. And I, I found this little cover for a light switch, and it said, you know, I turn on for Michigan State, I turn off for Michigan, right? So, <laughs> and it was like it was a little thing, so I bought it, brought it over to him, and he was like so happy, you know. Oh, I got it was so cool, you know. Like, so, so you know, you knew that right away that he was uh, died in the wool Spartan. So, it means a lot to him. Tom Izzo is kind of a father figure for him, and uh, I know those two will be, you know, they're gonna be best friends forever. Yeah, I got the chance to talk to Tom Izzo the other day for a story I wrote yesterday. I wasn't there, but I still wrote about <laughs> Michigan State, and uh, you, you could just tell how deep that bond goes. It feels like they're kind of kindred spirits in a lot of ways, and, and uh, I think that's a big reason why Draymond loves Michigan State so much is that relationship and uh, just the family environment that Tom Izzo has fostered. But I personally haven't ever met anyone in my entire life who loves his alma mater more than Draymond Green. Um, and I think, as Steve put it so beautifully the other day in Atlanta, um, it really says a lot about who Draymond is, that he's so loyal to his school, and, and that continues to his loyalty with the Warriors. And, and obviously there was a lot of speculation around what was going to happen with his future with the Warriors, and he came out, <laughs> got ahead of the curve, signed that $100 million contract, and looking back on it, I don't know why we ever questioned it because this is a guy who's so loyal to everything he's a part of. He was always going to stay a warrior. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, the great thing about the core group is that they all realize that they're better together. And I think Draymond realized that. And he's not going to ever be in a better situation than he is with Golden State. And, and uh, you know, the culture they've created, uh, you know, from Joe Liga, Peter Guber, Bob Myers on down, that it it kind of fosters that. And I think it's also, it's a great sign for the Warriors because it shows other players around the league that, you know, all this talk about, you know, what the Warriors do and the culture and everything, it's real. Yeah. They, you know, if, if you're loyal to the, to the Warriors, the Warriors will be loyal to you. And I think that's, that's a great sign. It tells players that this is a, a great place to be. 
Now, so Tim, you've been with the Warriors as long as almost anyone. I believe 1995, correct? 1995-96 was my first year. Uh, so this is my 25th season with the Warriors. I was with the Kings broadcast uh, before that from 89 through 95. So the last time the Kings made the playoffs. No, 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 no. no, no. Sorry, that was yeah. that was 2000, the, yeah. 2001. My yeah. apologies. Yeah, the year the year I left the the Kings, 95, 96. They did make the playoffs. Lost to Seattle in the first round, but uh, but yeah, I, I went from 1989 through 2006 and did not broadcast a team that got to 500. <laughs> so, uh, so when you know the We Believe showed up that and finished forty-two and forty and made the playoffs, that was a huge deal, and that's why I think that team is so you know near and dear to everybody, even with the great run the Warriors have had, uh, just because it was just so random and came out of nowhere, and uh, it's been a long time in the playoffs. Now, you know things are things are a little different. The the bar has been set very very high, and I think. I, I truly think we won't appreciate this run the Warriors just went through the last five years until about five or ten years down the way. And I think people will, will give the Warriors, I think, more due than they're getting now uh, just about how good they were. What's, what's this season been like for you? Because in a lot of ways, we kind of live similar lifestyles. We're both on the beat. We're both on every road trip. We're, we're living that grind. Um, and he, he, especially when you're covering a team that's – maybe not going to make the playoffs it can maybe feel like more of a grind at times uh what is how have you been dealing with what in a lot of ways has been a pretty jarring start to the season yeah I think everybody was a little bit in uh sports shock if you will at the beginning you know you go through a seven game stretch where you lose Durant Thompson Curry Draymond Green D'Angelo Russell I mean that's 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 jarring as you said it's it's uh it's remarkable but I think what's different about this year uh, as opposed to, say, late 90s, early 2000s, when the Warriors went through a five-year run of just, they were just brutal. Um, there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you know you're going to get guys back. And you know that there's, a, if, if the, everything plays out right, that, you know, at this time next year, I think we'll have a totally different story to cover. And so uh, that, that's part of it. And then the other part that, to me, it's always been true, even when I was announcing with teams that weren't very good, it was, it's still the NBA. You know, it's still, you know, uh, you know getting ready for a game you know, the other night in Atlanta. You know, okay, well, you get to, you, get to, you know, talk about Trey Young and the, and, the, and the unbelievable career of Vince Carter and, and, and uh, you know, talking about the Hornets. You know, do they have the right combinations, you know, on the floor? Are Bridges and Washington going to be there? You know, there are three, four guys to go to, you know, for years to come. So there's always a story and there's always, you know, great players around. And so yeah, I never lose sight of that. Even though, you know, the, the worst NBA player is still a great player. Right. You know, and we all kind of, we grade guys on the NBA curve. And and that's that's what you do. But you also I also like to step back once in a while and say, okay, you know, he I may not think he's that good in the NBA, but he's still a really good player. Right. And and so so I have fun. And, and the the other little part of the uh, equation this year is all these guys are playing for something. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're all playing for their basketball lives, if you will. You know, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney. You know, they they know who they are. They right. know where they are. 
Uh, but for guys like Amari Spellman and Kai Bowman and Eric Paschal and you know, Marquise Chris, these guys are all trying to play to either start their NBA career or jumpstart it or restart it. And so, you know, for the most part, you know, the effort has been has been tremendous. Yeah. And people ask me a lot of times, you know, how different is your job now that they're not a dynastic team because you know my first year three years on the beat I covered multiple all-stars in the all-star game and then I was working till June then you had the draft and you really didn't get a breather till after summer league in mid-July whereas I'm already kind of starting to think about what am I going to do in May am I can I maybe steal a vacation here or there Um, so it's definitely an adjustment but at the end of the day we still have to get up we still have to do our jobs every day we still have to do the broadcast turn out content and I've personally had a lot of fun this season in in an almost strange way just because there's been so many new personalities there's been so many new guys to get to know so many new stories to tell and as you said all these guys are really playing to prove that they belong which is a fascinating storyline because even if these some of these guys are in the Warriors long-term plans this specific season means a lot to them so we can easily look at these games and say these don't really matter except for lottery position but for someone like Damian Lee when he's healthy this every game matters you know he's trying to get off that two-way contract and prove that he belongs in this league Uh, so that to me has been a lot of fun and from your perspective I'm sure you feel the same way um, there was such little roster tur- turnover the past few years, which was nice in the sense that you got to develop relationships with these guys. You got to know them on a pretty intimate level. And then now there's so many new faces. In some ways, I like that because I was running out of new things to say about Kevin Durant. I was running out of new things to say about Steph Curry. Like, what what new do you say about someone like Steph Curry who – has had so many phenomenal profiles written about him over the years. Whereas Eric Paschal, who's very relevant right now, uh, he I, there literally hadn't been a profile ever written on him until this season. So it's been it's been fun from that perspective. I'm sure you probably feel that to an extent too. Yeah, I think that when you look at the the, uh, the the guys that are new, you know, the other thing that you know players, I think, and, and some players don't get this is that. Every game, every practice, every time you're out working, you're basically trying out for the league, and you know, and and so if you're not uh, working hard, if you're not, uh, if you show bad body language when you're taken out of a game, and and you know, you're not part of the team. Other teams have scouts; they see that, and so uh, if you if it doesn't work out for the team you're playing for, maybe that's going to hurt you and try to get you know signed by somebody else so so for these guys it's really important i think this year because we don't know what the roster is going to look like next year um but but yeah it's 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 fun to have a new group and it's fun to be around young guys because they they bring a lot of energy it's a totally different vibe than the veteran you know uh, very business-like vibe that the they the, the warriors had last few years not that they weren't having fun mind you they're always having fun but it was a, just a you know that team was very professional, and they knew how to get ready. This team is learning how to do that, and I think that's uh, that's a, that's a fun part of it. You know, the the job to me has always been I kind of look at a season like a book, and each game's a different chapter. And it's always I always kind of go back during the season 
And, you know, maybe something that happened in Chapter 4 is relevant in Chapter 72. That, yeah. oh, yeah, that's what, you know, that, that's something he's better at now. Or that injury happened, and now he's feeling, you know, that same injury again. So it, uh, it's something to, to kind of track a little bit, you know, you know how these players are, are, are working, how they're getting better, and, and, and look at the end of the season. But, but being around fresh faces and uh, a lot of new guys – it, it's always fun because you get to know these people and find out who they are. A little over quarter way through the season, the Warriors have had more players miss games. Have, have missed more games due to injury for players than twice as many games as any other team in the NBA. And the only time in Warriors history that com- recent Warriors history, modern Warriors history that compares to that was Steph's rookie year which I'm sure you remember really well. Um, there was that famous game, regular season finale in Portland. I'm not going to give away too much about that. I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts since you were actually at that game, I'm guessing. That's the one where everybody got everybody was hurt, correct? Right, everyone was yeah. hurt. Yeah. Devin George uh, ended up fouling out. They literally didn't have another body. They only had five available guys. Right, so Nelly is, is telling Duke Callahan, I think was the official, saying, hey, I can't play these guys. They're dressed, but they're hurt. Mm-hmm. He goes, okay, by rule, they have to go in. Okay, so they go in. And Which think, is messed up, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, he had to play injured guys. Yeah. So they go in, and they foul a guy immediately. And then they, they sub out, and the, the injured guy goes off and goes right to the locker room. Mm-hmm. Then the second injured guy comes on, and uh, he fouls out and goes right back to the locker room. Now, I believe during the game, uh, Chris Hunter who was a 6'10 center the Warriors had, got hurt during the game. So yeah. he's already back in the locker room. So we had eight. So there's three back there. So now Devin George has to come back in. Right. And by rule, what happens is every time he commits a foul, it's a technical foul as well. Right. And so, uh, you know, Portland's always been a, a crazy place for the Warriors because a lot of stuff happens in Portland <laughs> for the Warriors. You know, that's where they um, – uh, I think uh, that's, you know, Clay broke out in, in Portland in a game there. I think he also had... Uh, spoke to his hand last spoke, year. Yeah, spoke to his hand. Steph came back in the playoffs in Portland. Uh, they clinched the Western Division for the first time in, you know, eons in 2014-2015, which at the time was a big deal. Oh, what, what the West Division? Yeah. Oh, boy, that's unbelievable. The Pacific Division, I should right. say. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they clinched, I think... I think I think I believe Portland's where they clinched a playoff spot in 0607 too. So Portland's right. always had some things, but but again, it's, that's a rare rule. It's only happened a couple of times in NBA history, and to be able to uh, broadcast through that was pretty 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 funny. So it could be even worse, is what yeah, you're saying. It could be it could be it could get worse. Yeah, uh, in back in I think it was 0, 2000, 2001 maybe that the we had a, we beat the Clippers in February. And we were like fifteen and thirty-two, and we finished seventeen and sixty-five. You know, um, and, and yeah, so it could be a lot worse. And veteran Warrior fans know that, and so I think that's why they're looking at this year with a great deal of patience. We'll have more of my conversation with Tim Roy right after the break. What have you thought about what Eric Paschal, as the number forty-one pick in June's draft, has been able to do this season? Did you see this coming? At all? Well, you know, right around draft time, I, I kept reading that the Warriors were high on Pascal, that they were looking at it maybe with a late first-round pick. And 
uh, you know, so I do my due diligence. I go look at the draft sites, look at some video, and okay, he can play a little bit. Okay, so um, but I think what it, it there's there's two things. One, it just shows again that in this league, if you get opportunity, you know, sometimes you find guys that everybody kind of overlooks, and and kind of like Draymond in the sense where you know he he, he stays in college a while. He's a four year guy. He actually played five because he had a redshirt year after transferring so uh, he's an older guy he's more mature and has learned how to play and I think you know Michigan State Villanova there's about four or five programs actually Wichita State's another one if you get a four-year guy at Wichita State they're tough and they know how to play um, Raymond Ritter if he's yeah, listening yes yeah, that's, that's, that's for you Raymond <laughs> um, so uh, so to me again it's, it's just you know having that chance you know if he's on the Warrior roster of last year you know, he probably is starting right. the year in Santa Cruz. But he got a chance, and, and he's, he knows how to score over bigger people and use his body, and and uh, he looks like he's going to be an NBA player for a long time. He's got a little old-school game in him. You know, he, yeah. he, he could, you could see him playing in the 90s and the 80s and stuff like that just simply because of, of knowing how to use his body and, and how to play. Physically, he's just so strong too, and I and as this might sound silly, but you really realize how much that matters in the NBA, especially adjusting to the NBA as a young guy. I mean, he's so strong that NBA players are bouncing off him, and he's getting called for offensive fouls. Um, and I talked to Jay Wright a while ago, his coach at Villanova, and he said that the coaches there all would get frustrated sometimes because every time they'd call an ISO for. Pascal, it ended up in an offensive foul call, right. and he told scouts and, and coaches, look, this guy's going to be better in the NBA, way better in the NBA. His game translates better to the NBA. He can guard all five positions. He's really sound on both sides of the ball. He makes good decisions, <laughs> and he's phenomenal in ISO situations, and he's physically dominant, and yet he still falls to 41 and Jay Wright said that the only reason he could he could grasp was he was almost 23 years old. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy when you think about it, but the draft has become so much about projection and potential and upside that I feel like sometimes we lose sight of what guys are actually doing now. You know, it's yeah, it's it, you put more you put more of a premium on, on that 19-year-old who maybe wasn't even good that one year he played in college over that 22-year-old who's been dominant at the college level for multiple years. What, what do you think about how that trend and, and, and how it's evolved? Well, think about that we just saw Cam Reddish, right? And everybody raved about him. And so in getting ready for the Atlanta game, I'm looking at his college numbers. He wasn't even very good luck. He was, like, shooting, like, 30%. Yeah. I mean, I mean uh, – it's, so I'm going, okay, maybe, again, the projection process, they say, oh, he can do this, do that, do this. And so, and, and I hope that, I hope it works out for him. I hope he's going to be a great player. But, yeah, but I think the, the age part of it, and also a little bit that he's a tweener. You know, he's not a real three, he's not a, you know, He's not tall. We enough. still use that word. I thought. I thought Draymond Green did, did away with that word. Yeah, he did. But uh, <laughs> but I, but I still think that's the mindset of some people. Where is he? Where does he slot in on the floor instead of being positionless and, and being able to switch? And so yeah, and I think in in sports in general, we all tend to look at guys and forget about the you know, and, and they have to meet certain criteria. And in terms of size and quickness and, 
and and weight and the whole bit. And we forget about guys that just know how to play. And Draymond is one of those guys. He's like the, the poster child for that. And now, you know, GMs are scouring the draft every year looking for the next Draymond. Right. You know, uh, because you have – can the guy play? There, there are a lot of guys that look great in layup line. Right. Okay. And there's a lot of guys that, that – will look great in workouts, but can they translate that to a game? And I think sometimes, like in baseball, you know, guy doesn't hit the radar gun in the you know, mid-high 90s, but if a guy, but, you know, Greg Maddox's career, yeah. you know, all he did was just paint, 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 and, you know, got people out. And sometimes I think that, you know, in sports we pass over guys who know how to play because they don't meet certain, you know, criteria that is is judged to be, you know, the benchmark for any kind of a professional player. Another guy who has been really fascinating to me this season is Kai Bowman, uh, a guy who on a two-way contract, undrafted out of Boston College, um, has come in because simply the Warriors don't have bodies and, and played a big role and really thrived. To me, he's looked like a legitimate backup point guard <laughs> in this league. He's getting closer and closer to that 45-day limit. I believe he's around 30 right now. Um and, you know, once he hits that 45-day limit, he's going to have to go down to the G League unless the Warriors can figure something out and find a 15-man roster spot for him, which is complicated given the, the hard cap. Um, but what have you thought about what he's been able to do coming into this situation as a two-way guy? And do you, in your mind, I know you're not Bob Myers, but do you think that the Warriors need to find a place for him the rest of the season? You know, it's, it, it's, it's a great problem to have, but it is a problem. Um, uh, I think there's a... I think he's made a case that he's an NBA player. And I love that he understands who he is and, and, and what he has to be in this league. And what do I mean by that? Okay, what do you see with him on defense? He's picking up point guards at the, the you know, three-quarter quarter. 94 or, feet. Yeah, 94 he feet. He says it every interview. Yeah, 94 feet. And he knows as, an, as a 6'1 point guard in this league, he has to be a pest on defense. He can't be a liability. And what have we seen? I mean, he's played John Moran. He's played Trey Young. He's played them both well. Don, in, I know Dodge yeah. had a phenomenal game that game, yeah. but I honestly felt like Bowman did whatever he could. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Dodge was unstoppable that game. And he's been unstoppable for the rest of the league, too. I mean, yeah. Kai Bowman's not alone in that regard. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really like him. And I think, yeah, he's going to make Bob Myers' job really hard. And uh, so I, I think he's proven that he can be an NBA player, and I agree with you. I think he's a – He's, he's proven to be a, a backup point guard. And, you know, in a pinch, if your starting point guard goes down with the injury or the flu or something, uh, you can start him for a game, and he's, he's not going to hurt you. Uh, so I, I, I'm a Kai Bowman fan. I think he's done a great job, and I love the fact that he's fearless. And he doesn't, uh, you know, he's got that little bit of a chip that I think all the undrafted guys should have, mm-hmm. and and he's he's showing that on a nightly basis. He doesn't care who he's playing against. He's going to make your life as miserable as he can from the defense. This is a guy who former former football player was a bigger recruit in football had an Alabama had had an Alabama offer, but ended up deciding to pursue basketball because his older brother who was incarcerated at the time said, "Hey, chase your dreams. Don't don't make the same mistakes I made." Um, and he's been through a lot in his, in his life, and I think you can kind of see that play out on the court. He has this fire in him 
where you can tell he's playing for something bigger than himself, which is, which is really cool. Um, I guess before I let you go, one thing I've always wanted to ask you Uh-oh. is, <laughs> is who's your favorite warrior of all time? And when I, and when I, I, I think the easy answer, and you can give me whatever your answer is, but obviously the, the, the easy answer might be Steph or right. one of the great players. But I, I'm, I'd be really curious to hear who maybe your favorite role player is of all time, a guy who who maybe Warriors fans aren't as familiar with. Wow. Uh, well, you know, I, I wouldn't call Donald Foyle a role player, but he's right up there. He's the only guy that I've ever uh, dealt with in pro sports that – has come to the back of the plane with the op-ed page of the New York Times and sit down next to me and say, we must talk, uh-huh. you know, and, and so and so we would try to solve problems there. Um, he was one, uh, you know, Steph is Steph. I mean, he's just the, he's just the best. How can you, you know, I mean, uh, other broadcasters around the league, you know, would, would love to deal with a guy like Steph on a day-in, day-out basis. He's so gracious with his time and, and so he's such a, a great kid. I remember, you know, here in Charlotte telling uh, Del Curry, his dad, his rookie year, I said, Del, I don't know how good he's going to be. And we didn't. We didn't know how good he was going to be his rookie year. I said, but he's a great kid, and you and your wife should take credit for that. But, um, he, you know, he's got me in that mix. Jason Richardson is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, Mitch Richmond's one of my all-time favorites. Those are guys that, you know, they came over to the, the bench in a timeout, and they were in full lather. You knew they were giving it. They might have been flawed on certain nights, but they were giving it what, what you know, what they had. Um, so, you know, so there's a, you know, there's a bunch of guys that you go back, but that's a, that's a question I think I'd have to uh, go back and look through the media guide and, <laughs> and figure out. Actually, uh, you know who was one of the nicest guys I dealt with, who was only a warrior for a year and a half or so, was Earl Boykins. Okay. You know? And uh, so. Michigan. Yeah, he uh, just a real great guy. He was was he sixth man of the year that year, or he was in the running for? I it? think he was in the running for it. He was our closer. He would come in the fourth quarter and close out games. I loved watching him. He but. was he was really fun to watch, and of course, I always like having you know interviews where I can actually look down on a guy. So that was that was one. <laughs> He's five yeah, five. Yeah, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah, I've had Muggsy Bogues. I've had uh, uh, Spud Webb. I've had. Uh, Earl Boykins, you know, you know, if you last long enough, you you hang around, you get them, you get them all. I mean, I've had Muggsy, Mookie, I've had Bimbo, uh, BJ. Uh, trying to think who else we haven't had a great nickname, but we've had I've had uh, a whole bunch back of in the day. Guys. World be free. Well, World be white. He's way for us. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I have interviewed him. He's a former Warrior and played uh, played well for the Warriors for a couple of years. Played for Al Adams, Guilford College. Yes, Guilford College. Not too far from here. And it used to be Lloyd B. Free. Yeah. It became World B. Free. So. Oh, well, awesome, Tim. I really appreciate you joining the podcast. It means a lot. I, You're one of the best, and I'm not just saying that because you're in front of me, but I really genuinely feel like you're one of the best out there. And so it's a, it's an honor to pick your brain and, and have you around. The honor's all mine. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at claterno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. 
there are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. Thank you.